This is the Vita Foods Insight Podcast with Jade Mitchell Ross. So the link between foods and digestive disorders is pretty well recognised. So what does the industry do here? Does it take a reactionary approach and says, oh, well, this is what all of our Exploring the key issues affecting the global health and nutrition industry and delving into the trends, news and information key to making good business decisions. Hello and welcome to the Vita Foods Insights podcast. I'm Jade Mitchell-Ross, joined by Alessio Dantino, co-founder and MD of Crowdfooding. We're seeing a lot of startups at the moment, and that suggests to me that there's loads of innovation in the industry, and you guys seem perfectly placed to let us know what's happening at the moment. So do you want to give us a bit of a, like an overview of where the industry is going, what's really hot, what's working? Wow, yeah, that's a, that's a broad question. But... To try to cut it to the chase, um, yes, there is a lot happening in food innovation. Um, we are we are the opinion that the, there is so much innovation because people have started reconnecting with food um, and looking at food um, as a really, I think, force for good, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I do believe that, you know, food is... Um, is a way to to connect, you know, with human beings. And so, one of the the hottest sort of um, you know trends, if you will, or um, products that we've started seeing are actually along the lines of uh, going back to the roots. So, lots of people who are you know picking up from the most remote, I guess, places in their houses, you know these whole recipes uh, from their grandmas or, you know, whoever, uh, and started to, you know, reshaping products um, and kind of playing, you know, with uh, the existing, you know, products to mm-hmm. really bring back, you know, some of those uh, uh, hold, if you will, uh, and good probably, you know, uh, I read a great piece the other week about um, how they expect U.S. consumers in particular, as they're seeing a really chaotic economic and political landscape, they're turning back to the nostalgic foods from their past, but they want them healthy instead of just, you know, really fattening and comforting, uh, which I thought was really interesting to think about. It is indeed. It is indeed. And I mean, uh, um, on this point, actually, uh, there are, that, that's exactly, I think, what is happening, you know. And as people and entrepreneurs and startups, you know, are really good at um, taking back, you know, these uh, nostalgic food, if you will, Mm. making it, you know, modern and contemporary. And that's where I think, uh, you know, just to name a few companies, if I may, uh, one uh, one company in the U.S. called actually Back to the Roots. uh, How appropriate. Uh, really appropriate, right? Uh, I started developing these uh, range of products that uh, uh, on the one end are almost in the DIY sort of, you know, space, like do it yourself. So mm. they're actually growing kits for for uh, producing foods, uh, whether that is in the form of, uh, you know, a little jar with some soil that has some seeding into it. And you can start seeing, you know, tomatoes growing out of it. So okay. this kind of stuff, uh, I think, are quite interesting. But then um, they went, you know, a step ahead. And then they started also producing a full range of actually products that, uh, for instance, use, you know, these um, ancient grains, right? 
to produce the cereals. Uh, and, you know, of course, they're marketing it with, under the same brand, back to the roots. But that's really, I think, is, you know, as a consumer packaged goods and um, is reinventing, you know, how cereals has been produced for a long time. Given what I understand of what consumers want, especially millennial consumers, they want on-the-go convenience. Are people really responding to do-it-yourself, grow-your-own kind of foods? So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I guess it's a different segment if we're talking about uh, snack and uh, to-go foods. But, uh, yeah, that's a definitely another, you know, major trend uh, that is, I do believe, is driven by millennials. You know, mm. what, we, what we refer to snackification, right? I'm not even sure it's a word, but <laughs> uh, we do see, you know, lots of uh, startups developing um meaningful snacks and mm -hmm. the, what i mean by that is uh, you know snacks that have that uh, functional element right if we look at for instance uh, um i don't know insect based bars right the they might you know be some companies might be targeting the athletes you know as far as uh, yeah. the nutritional yeah. content of it is concerned but we see, you know, lots of millennials, I think, being open or at least more open than Generation X, sorry, Generation Y, um, to to try out, you know, new foods. Uh, and um, I do believe that, you know, the companies that are doing well, as far as next are concerned, are actually the ones that are capable of combining, you know, the functional element of foods with the modernity and um, you know the, mm -hmm. the novelty if you will uh side of uh, you know playing with new ingredients and uh, new type of foods um yeah insects is certainly something i'm not going to try <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough i mean uh, in our experience um uh, i do believe actually that's a, a trend that it's probably going to become bigger and bigger in 2018 or no, I really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I understand, uh, of course, the cultural sort of barriers, you know, related with uh, um, eating insects. But if you think about it, like, uh, as of now, really, one third of the world population uh, has insects in their daily diet. Uh, and that's, of course, is in uh, Asia, but um, I don't really see, you know, people, at least in this side of the pond or in the Western world, you know, to embrace that sort of way of eating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's, I think, that's fair, right? Is um, Again, food is, um, is, is powerful, is... Uh, it's something that connects people, but also has its own sort of like, uh, you know, strictures, right? When it comes to pushing it, you know, in terms of uh, uh, adopting, you know, a different diet or uh, the way we consume it. So I, I envision, you know, consumers to be, to become more open, I think, to the idea especially if you don't eat it, you know, in the raw form, meaning, you know, <laughs> hydrated or the way mm. that say, people, you know, consume it in Asia. Um, but it's certainly becoming, I think, more and more mainstream when it comes to replacing some you know, traditional ingredients with, for instance, cricket flour. Yeah. And, and that I ties into... Um 
that kind of ties into the you know grow your own side of things it's a sustainability issue as well is that that's appealing to people do we think that's going to get bigger next year Absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, we have started seeing, you know, people working in sustainability uh, in foods. Uh, I would say probably the pioneers were have started in, you know, 2013-14, right? Mm-hmm. And by now, you know, there is a whole movement, really, uh, that has, has been growing all over the world. You know, it's a, it's a global trend. Uh, yeah. Again, I think it ties up to the fact that people uh, and consumers have started uh, being more cautious about, you know, where their food comes from, how it's produced, you know, how much uh, plastic also, mm-hmm. you know, can contaminate sometimes, you know, the food they eat. And so I think these, uh, these community of innovators and uh, activists as well, uh, has been really fueled, you know, with these desire from consumers um, about, you know, trustability and uh, provenance, you know, really knowing where their food is coming from. Um, on this note, I mean, uh, a few interesting uh, companies that popped to my mind are of the likes of uh, Snacked uh, here in the UK, who, for instance, you know, don't only actually produce... Uh, uh, delicious snacks out of uh, surplus foods, uh, in particular mm-hmm. fruits and vegetables, uh, in the form of food jerkies. Uh, okay. But they also went a step ahead and they created, uh, I guess, the world's first uh, compostable packaging. Um, so, is you know, is really I think embracing sustainability as um, as a core value of their business. So. Yeah only you know selling a product that is you know again delivers on taste and uh, functionality but um is really i think you know bringing to the market something that consumer can relate to as you know for each buy they kind of you know take at uh, at their products uh, they're also in a way you know making a dent in reducing the amount of plastic you know that uh has been produced to create this this packaging. So uh, packaging is definitely, I think, an area where we're going to see in 2018 a lot of innovation happening uh, related with sustainability to the point that, you know, and this, this again is, is happening now, uh, there, there are companies who have started creating edible packaging. And uh, mm. you know, whether it's for water, uh, and again, it comes from the... Um, from the plant world, right? So instead of using plastic, uh, using different algaes or these different, you know, plant-based uh, materials um, to reproduce, you know, the, the same plastic. And uh, I think, again, that's, uh, that's an area where um, consumers and millennials, I think, in particular, are going to drive um, a lot more interest also, you know, from the big companies because uh, after all, you know, the change has to happen from the from the top to really, I think, have an impact on some consumers. So there's plenty of innovation up and coming. What support do innovative companies need? Like how do they worry about how to find investment? Are they looking at regulation? What kind of support do you guys offer them? So I guess in general, um, innovative companies in uh, developing innovation for uh, the food and drink industry are looking primarily at two things. Uh, first off, 
they're looking at um, how they how they can create impact that mm-hmm. can deliver or can push the big guys to change their industry standards. Okay. Uh, and packaging gear is one of the best examples to explain this. So, you know, is no secret that you know big corporates use uh i mean i've been i've been packaging their food in plastic for a long time right yeah um but now that technology i think also enables to you know individuals to produce uh i think a really similar outcome in terms of uh, you know packaging but you know sourcing the ingredients or the materials uh in a more sustainable way mm-hmm. meaning you know <laughs> Namely, not producing, you know, that utterly amount of plastic yeah. that, you know, pollute our uh, oceans with. Um, again, I think it's uh, it's what, uh, on the one end, drives you know entrepreneurs to build these businesses, but is what ultimately you know they want to see is is a. Um, how the world can be a better place because of their, you know, solutions. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess that's one driver. Uh, More practically, what I think they're looking for oftentimes is um, capital to to really get to a point where they can compete also with, uh, you know, large multinational companies. and interestingly enough, what we have uh, started seeing um, in the past uh, couple of years is that lots of entrepreneurs actually, um, on the one end, they have you know the ambition of uh, building the next multinational company. You know, they are yeah. they are they are aware of uh, you know that it is hard and that, you know, it's going to take them some time, you know, to, to be competitive with, you know, large multinational companies, but they have these like, you know, really big drive and big desire, you know, of changing the situation, you know, of our food system. And so, um, capital of course is, is an enabler, right. Of, uh, how they can more quickly and uh, more, I guess, impactfully, you know, build their business. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, these days there is a lot of capital out there, so they are aware that is a is a matter of uh, you know raising from the right people, um, from the people who basically can not only provide you know cash, but can also help them, you know, open doors uh, yeah. into business retailers or, you know, helping them build, you know, uh, broader distribution channels. Um, and so they are looking at, uh, you know, engaging really with uh, people who come, come from the industry, you know, whether in, you know, in the form of investors or advisors or, you know, but I think they really, they really understand that you know there is a gap. There is a gap uh, that I think was down to knowledge and expertise, oftentimes. Um, and so they're looking to onboard you know these people. They value the fact that you know they might have been exposed to uh, that uh, those dynamics for longer than they are, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and they really you know value to to bring them on board to make them part of the dream. 
You can learn more about innovation in the food and drink industry on our website, where you can also check out the top trends for 2018. Visit vitafoodsinsights.com. Follow us on Twitter at VF underscore insights. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Vita Foods Insight Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at VF underscore insights. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Vita Foods Insights is an always-on engagement platform designed to explore key issues affecting the global health and nutrition industry. Visit our website, vitafoodsinsights.com, for more.